Well, good morning, New Hope. So good to be with you today. And as we continue in our series, Fish Stories, I, I got to, you know, just confess, I am not much of a fisherman, okay? But I like to give uh, the hunters and the, the fisher people here in our midst a hard time when they, when they use this spiritualizing excuse. Uh, John, I'd, uh, I'd rather be in a boat thinking about God than sitting in church thinking about fishing, well, hey, I'll give you that once in a while, okay? Because we don't want to just worship just in this place. We want to worship all, all the time. We want to learn to, to spiritualize moments outside of church and outside of this sacred secular context. But, but you can't use that excuse all hunting and fishing season, okay? Come on, uh, everything, good thing in, in measure, in moderation. Well, I, again, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I'll never forget the time that I got to go ice fishing with a uh, friend, Rob Krantz, here. And I think we have a picture of Rob and his, his ice house, his spear fishing house. I'm not going to say what lake, because one time Pastor Bill said what lake, and then everybody flocked to that lake. Okay, so you, you know, you, he can sell that information to you if he wants. But uh, it was great. I was doing a spiritual direction program at the time a couple of years ago, and the activity I was working on is finding connection with God and others through activity. So we kind of use this time in the, in the ice house for, for kind of spiritual direction and connecting with God. And it was going great. We were catching a lot of panfish. In fact, uh, you see the next slide. Had enough, had enough for dinner for my family, for the Foley Fab Five. We got to have a, a great meal. And at the end of our time in the ice house, uh, I said, Rob, why don't you pray for us? And I did, you know, what all good preachers do. I kept my eyes open and kept looking down the, the fishing hole because we hadn't caught the northern yet, you know, to spear one. We just caught the panfish, and he's praying, and I said, I interrupted his prayer, and I said, Rob, grab your spear, and he got it. Look, look what he got. Okay, I can't lie in church. We didn't get that one. He got that another time. But we got a northern, and we had good fish, and we had... We had a great time. That's a 38 and a half, about 15 pounds. So if I can't brag about my fish stories, I'll brag about Rob's, okay? Why do we tell? Why do we love telling our fish stories? Why do we love telling the stories of, of the things we love? Well, the whole purpose of a, of a story is to, is to make connection. It's the power of association. But, in preaching and good communication, we're supposed to say what we say and then illustrate it and then repeat what we said. And so the power of story connects with something we associate with it, a new concept, a, a new reality, a new teaching, a scripture. We need to associate it with, uh, illustrate it, tell a story that, that brings it home. Oh yeah, I can connect with that. I can hook onto that what I know already. Jesus was doing this all the time in his parables, in his stories, associating the truth of his kingdom with things that people, when we read, that we can connect with. Today, we're going to look at the story of Jesus and the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And in her encounter with Jesus, she meets Emmanuel, God with us. And through this amazing encounter, she receives the life and the hope, the love like never before, and eagerly leaves her old world behind and goes on to tell people, could this be the Messiah, the Savior we've been waiting for? 
Our big idea today is that we tell our stories to demonstrate the life-giving nature of Jesus and to introduce others to a life-saving relationship with him. So first of all, we, we tell our stories to demonstrate the life-giving nature of Jesus. Again, I'm in uh, John chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you or want to follow along, I'm just reading a few opening verses, starting in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. And right away, the story sets up uh, several ironic contrasts. Jesus asking the woman for a drink. It says uh, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They were considered unclean. I loved in our uh, youth group this week, we're doing a series on unity. And and this line from from the pastor was, the world draws lines to keep others out. Jesus crosses lines to draw everyone in. And isn't that what we need? Isn't that refreshing water in this day of division, in this day of hatred, and in this day of disunity? In asking her for this water, he's doing far more than than meets the eye. He's declaring the truth that you're worth it. You're beloved. You're somebody I notice you, I value you, I love you. And in so doing, Jesus is showing us that no one is outside the love and the the belonging to his love and family. The contrast of Jesus uh, offering living water is just so outside the reality of this woman. She's like, well, you have nothing to draw with to get this water. Where do you get this Living water, are you greater than our father Jacob who made this well? And yeah, Jesus is greater than Jacob or anyone else. And he says, everyone who drinks this water, in verses 13 and 14, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Uh, A couple weeks ago at our Heart of Reconciliation retreat, uh, Pastor Jim Olson, the president of the the, uh, Pilgrim Center for Reconciliation, gave a great illustration of this. He had a massive heart attack a couple months ago. We didn't think we were going to have the retreat. He didn't realize his heart was operating at 30%. But praise God, he's back at normal functioning. But he said a A blocked heart doesn't work very well. 
And similarly, when we got blockages in our life, when we have bruises from our past, when we have burdens, when we have bondage, when we have bitterness, the life-giving water doesn't flow very well in our hearts. And so God wants us to not drink from the world as we know it, but to receive the living water from Jesus and to learn from him. I loved how one new hoper this week was emailing Pastor Bill and she was just expressing how much uh, she loves our Tuesday morning prayer time over the phone, our prayer force from 6.30 to 7.30. And she said, it's one of the highlights of my week. She said, it's so life-giving. Well, that's what Jesus wants to give us. He wants to give us the living water that that flows freely within us that is life-giving. So church, I want to ask you, how is your walk with Jesus? Is it life-giving? We come to the word today. We come to an encounter with him and we, we need to hear his invitation to drink this water, this living water that will satisfy our soul and to teach more and more of his life-giving nature. So take some time this week and take some time today and meditate on that. What what am I doing that's life-giving to me? God, are you inviting me to a practice, to an action, uh, to a moment of quiet that can become life-giving? What's life-draining? What's life-giving? And how can I walk in that? I think one of the best verses that that illustrates this as well and shows us the essence of who Jesus is is 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. We tell our stories, our encounters with Jesus to remind us who we were before Jesus, that we were simply living beings. And because of the salvation and the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness and the fruits of the Spirit, we too become life-giving spirits through Jesus. The story continues in verse 15. Follow along as I read. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. When we come to an encounter with the life-giving spirit of Jesus, we come in front of the one who is omniscient, the only one who is all-knowing. And yet Jesus doesn't use this knowledge of knowing this woman and her five husbands. He doesn't use this to crush her. He doesn't use it to shame her. He uses it to invite her and to say what you were looking for in all those men you couldn't find because you were looking for my perfect love. You can only find that in me. You'll never find that in another. We then read in verses 28 
to 30. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. The detail here of leaving the water jar says a ton. You know, what I was looking for in men, just natural water, the ways of the life, what I know, what I, what I worshiped before, what I looked for in this world, I'm leaving it behind. I found what I'm looking for in Jesus. I need that which is from above. I need what only Jesus can give me. It reminds me of the the old definition, I believe the 1200 St. Anselm. His definition of God is that which nothing greater can be thought. God is that which nothing greater can be thought. We find what we need in him. Can I get an amen? So we tell our stories. We become a witness to others We become an ongoing witness to ourselves and remind ourselves of the greatness of God. We become heralds. We become storytellers to remind ourselves that the only thing that matters, the living water, the life-giving spirit of Jesus is what saves us and changes us inside and out. And so we continue to testify to this amazing grace. We tell our stories to learn more and more of the life-giving nature of Jesus. And secondly, we tell our stories to become a doorway to others' salvation. The story concludes, verses 39 to 42, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We tell our stories to demonstrate the life-giving nature of Jesus and to introduce others to a life-saving relationship with him. The story of the woman at the well so clearly demonstrates the power and the purpose of telling our stories because of the life and the grace and the love she received. She was unashamed to go tell others. And we read in this that just because of her testifying, just because of her, some believed Some believe before they came to see him for himself. There is power. There is purpose in telling our story. There's such a power in telling our story. It breaks down the defenses. People can't refute your story. They don't have to believe it, but it takes away this defensiveness of, oh, I don't believe in that. And they, they hear the witness of what's happening to you and, it's hard to deny that. We tell our story. And some people may just come to know him through that. But we tell the story to open the doorway for others to know him. I was able to 
preside over a funeral uh, this Wednesday, and, and it was something I've never been able to do before because it was someone who wasn't a new hoper, a 93-year-old woman, but it was the first time of someone outside of our church I got to meet one time before. And because she was a relative of someone from New Hope, they wanted me to go visit and to have that assurance of salvation. So I had a, a lovely visit with Donna. And we went over the Romans road. We went over Jesus' story. It's, it's the verses in Romans that, that talk about the road to salvation. And we went over Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of of God, that none of us can get there on our own. We all fall short. And then we went over Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then we talked about the amazing love in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And in that precious visit, we ended with Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we had assurance of faith that day that she had asked Jesus into her heart as Savior and Lord. And then we took time to just pray over those things, right? Some of the blockages that come into our hearts because of things said or things left undone. And we just gave those things to the Lord and the peace of God came upon her and came in her home. We anointed her in her home. And there was great peace, the life-giving spirit of Jesus. There was talk of this good woman, and I titled the message, From Good to Perfect. Because when we're in Jesus, <laughs> he's our victory. He's our boast. And we take our good or our not so good, and we receive his gift, and we receive his perfection. We become perfect in him in our final day. And all sin and all pain and all tears have to go away. What a joy it was to be able to declare to everyone gathered Wednesday Donna's story and Jesus' story. We tell our story so the doorway may open for others to come in. And for us to keep letting that doorway open to the living water, the life-giving spirit of Jesus to keep cleansing us and filling us with what is life. And as we remind ourselves, it's so good. I, I encourage you, Pastor Bill will have you do this next week too, but I encourage you to start writing your story. What was my life like before Jesus? When did I receive Jesus? What is my life like been since. And no, it's not perfect, but we, we begin to, to write our story. We begin to celebrate what he has done for us. And we never know how he will use our story. 
Let's, uh, we're going to watch a story now of a new hoper and, and his story and his, his testimony, and then I'll, I'll come back and, and pray with us. Hey, New Hope. I'm Jay Mankey from Bram Campus. I'm here to share my fish story with you. Life before Jesus uh, was interesting, a struggle. I had a lot of the, what everyone would call the head knowledge. Um, and um, I moved here, I met my wife. This is what's really cool is because it always starts with an invitation. And a friend of mine um, knew I had kids that were of that age that could attend on Wednesday nights, and it was Awanas. What's interesting about all this is as I arrived there the first night, they uh, needed help with uh, teaching. There was a message given about Solomon's painting of Christ knocking at the door. And I believe it's Revelations where he says, I, I knock at the door and who opens and let me in, I will, I'll dine with them. But this is the first time I noticed there wasn't a door handle. There wasn't a way to open the door, but Christ is at the door. And the explanation that was given to these kids, which really was given to me, praise the Lord, was that you need to open that door. You have to open that door for Christ to come in. The Lord brought me to Dale, and we went and had lunch at the Q Mandarin in Cambridge. Um, and he started to explain things to me on uh, a napkin and started to draw. And this is while we had ate and we were talking and visiting, and I was sharing my troubles and my concerns. And he started drawing this cavern. And then he had God on this side and us on this side, and sin was the void that kept it apart. And it was a real simple drawing, just basically a V with, but he explained to me that, that Christ, and he drew the cross and fills the void. He goes, Jay, let me ask you uh, if, you know, being a mortician, if you were to die today and St. Peter asked you to let him in, what would, what, what would you say? I looked at him and I said, well, I'm a nice guy. And I heard it like a game show buzzer, just eh, wrong. And I, I, I let it go. I let it go in the sense that I, I wanted, I wanted Christ and I wanted him there. And Dale said to me, he goes, uh, he goes, well, we should go back to my office in Stanchfield and we can talk more. And I said, no, no. And in that booth, weeping, I accepted the Lord. 40, 45 years old. And it was an immediate relief. Immediate peace. Life after Christ uh, has been pretty awesome. Got peace, got love, and understanding. Hasn't been a bed of roses. We've still gotten a lot of curveballs, uh, a lot of what darts by the the evil one. Um, but with Christ, uh, we've been able to manage uh, through them. Um, 
My relationship with my wife has really grown uh, after knowing the Lord. Uh, and uh, we're serving together in New Hope in Bram. Um, and we're sharing the love of Christ with others whenever we can. So New Hope, this is my fifth story. Praise God for Jay's story, for the game show buzzer and all. Praise God for the woman at the well who unashamedly tells her story because of the perfect love she's received. I want to just pray with you. And if God is nudging on your heart to pray that prayer, you can pray that with me. And I want to pray for all of us to find the life-giving nature more and more this day right now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Jesus, we thank you that you come to us. We thank you that you value us. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that if we seek you, if we open that door, you'll come in. And that scripture is for all of us, for you to come in and to be with us. So we all want your life-giving nature. Jesus, forgive us for putting our heart in the things that will not satisfy us. We confess our sins today. And we ask you to come in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your perfect love. Thank you for what you've done for us. We want to receive it more and more. And if there's any here today who have not called on you, who have walked away, just in your heart say this verse with me. If we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. With all eyes closed, all heads bowed, if there's anybody that's prayed that prayer today, I want you to raise your hand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you for your great love. Encourage us to write out our stories and encourage us to be unashamed like the woman at the well. In the worldly I, she had a lot to be ashamed, but not in your eye, Jesus. Not in your loving eye. We're under that loving eye today. Help us to receive that love and to go tell our stories that others may come to know you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all God's children said, Amen.